You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you in the show. And uh, I'm joined once again by my partner in crime here at OTI. It is Doug Moore. Uh, since we last recorded, obviously, we had a two, two uh, maybe almost a three, I think maybe a three-week gap without a podcast. Uh, I was on vacation over to the United States, head up San Francisco, went to Las Vegas, had a quite an incredible time. And over the last couple of days, I thought I had uh, beaten jet lag, but uh, no, I hadn't. And I had a couple of nights where I couldn't get to sleep to 3 a.m. and then up at 7 a.m. to go to work. So quite a few long days, but recording the podcast now, all things going good and uh, delighted that Doug's on the show. We're also going to be joined in about five or ten minutes by uh, George Kirikos, uh, formerly of DLF, uh, now off Pro Football Focus Fantasy. So looking forward to talking to him about uh, the wide receivers that have signed over the past couple of days, as well as uh, talking about an article he had that came out just today, recording this on Wednesday, uh, talking about handcuffing uh, running backs in uh, Dynasty League. So looking forward to getting uh, his thoughts on that article that he wrote. But uh, Doug, welcome back. We are back. How are things? Uh, things are well. Things are well. I think the last time that we, I think I just moved in. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think so. I, I think funny enough. Uh, yeah, because the last time that we recorded, <laughs> I think I was actually, um, I think I was in the process of moving. Yeah. When. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was I, actually that was it, and uh, it was us with. Um, we had uh, Jody Smith. Not, no, Jody Smith. Uh, Jody Smith. That's yeah, what it was. Way to cut that's what it. Was, Jody Smith. <laughs> You were in yeah, the show. You were I, out yeah. of the show. You were back on the show. I know. Yeah, I was. I was actually in the process when you called, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" I was. Li- I was bringing. I was. Um, my brother and I were bringing my desk out from my uh, from my, my my house where I was living, and uh, we, were, we were trying to move into the car. I'm like, "Oh, sh- you know, shit!" So I'm like, I'm trying to grab it with one hand, trying to grab it with the phone. I'm, hey, calm, kind of busy, and then we were sitting in the car. And then I was talking with you and Jody, yep. and. Um, I was just sitting in the car outside the apartment, and my brother and my girlfriend are just waiting, and they're like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, one second, one go. second, one second, and then I had to, yeah, I'm like, all right, I got to go now before my girlfriend decides to take the apartment for herself. So, um, yeah, so things are things are doing well, and I'm glad to hear your, um, your, your vacation um, to the West Coast of the United States went well. Yeah, and I, I must admit to uh, I done an absolutely amazing uh, editing job on that last show. You would never knew that Doug uh, was in and out of the show quite as much as he was. And uh, Doug, you're uh, you're a little bit more out of breath when I, I got through to you rather than uh, how you how your impression went there. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was doing a lot of moving, and I'm not and I'm not in peak shape anymore. Uh, at least not right now. I, I uh, yeah, there, there are probably a couple of factors that led to that. But no, I'm. Uh, I'm sitting in my car and not much to uh, get worked up and, and break a sweat out of, I guess. Um, so on today's show, I mentioned we're going to have George in just a moment. But before we get to him, I want to thank all the listeners again for tuning in once more. Uh, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, OvertimeIreland.com for streaming it. You can listen to it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. But if you're listening to it, do it right now or after the show, whatever way you want to do it, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Come back each and every week and uh, listen to us here as we get great guests on the show. We'll continue to talk about fantasy football, uh, the NFL in general. 
and uh, have a fun time doing so. Uh, we plan to uh, have shows for the duration now of the off-season, and uh, maybe there'll be a gap here week to week, but uh, if you stay tuned to the Twitter feeds, uh, you'll see all the episodes coming up, and if you're subscribed, you'll get them all to your uh, podcast feed instantly, so make sure you do that. As well, we have uh, a plug here to do, and it's, uh, again, with NFL Shop Europe. Uh, they are kind enough to give all our listeners 10% off all their orders. All you have to do when you get to checkout after selecting what you want is put in the promo code OTI10 with no space, that is OTI10 and uh, they will give you 10% off your entire order. Uh, anything you can get on nflshop.com pretty much you can get on NFL Shop Europe. Their website is europe.nflshop.com uh, Go on there and put in that code OTI10 Have a look around. Um, I think the code may not be working this week due to a sale they have on but uh, next week uh, it should be back up and running and they kick a little bit back to the OTI podcast. That is OTI10 at checkout. The website is europe.nflshop.com and uh, everyone knows I, I try and get through the plugs as quickly as I can because when I listen to podcasts, I kind of be thinking, oh, let's skip forward uh, 30 seconds here to get through this ad. And uh, some shows now tend to have, uh, uh, the amount of podcasts I listen to some shows now seem to be more advertisements than uh, actual podcast content. So let's get to the content and uh, let's get charged on the show right now. So delighted to be joined back on the show again by George Kirikos, and the last time George were on the show, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to get out of send DLF after I say your name, but uh, you've joined uh, the team there over at Pro Football Focus Fantasy, which is a, a huge move, and I was delighted when you got that opportunity, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously a big step for you, but... I was looking as well at uh, the last time we had you on the show, and it was one of Doug's first uh, appearances as the co-host on the show. It's It's been too long, George, almost a year ago, and uh, glad to have you back aboard the, the OTI podcast uh, once again, and uh, thanks for thanks for jumping aboard. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, and uh, I really hope Doug has gotten better since the last time I've been on. I'm, I'm really <laughs> hopeful and excited for that. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't Don't, count on uh, it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll be another year before he comes uh, before George wants to come back on again but uh, a little bit for anyone that didn't see it on Twitter we were supposed to have Curtis Patrick on today unfortunately his uh, laptop didn't want to uh, come on the show and then earlier in the day we did put out a tweet to see uh, who wanted to jump on George uh, kindly replied and uh, we're grateful to have him on the podcast uh, since uh, we actually me and George had a back and forth unfortunately it didn't work out but George was uh, over here in the Emerald Isle uh, not that long ago with a visit over to Ireland uh, I hope you enjoyed your time here oh yeah it was it was tremendous I was there last month and uh, anyone who hasn't gone I highly recommend it it's one of the best places I've ever been uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to travel a few different places in the country. So, uh, you know, kudos to my wife who has a job that allows us to get some travel in. But uh, but no, it was a lot of fun and, and hopefully we'll get back and, and make it up uh, to your neck of the woods, Colm. Yeah, Ireland is, uh, for anyone that hasn't been, it's very, and anyone that has been will agree, it's very, very different to anything in the United States. And uh, after my vacation, uh, you know, we we spent quite a bit of the time in the desert for the last week of our trip uh, last week to the U.S. And when, when we got back, the first thing I noticed was how green Ireland is compared to the U.S. I'm sure that's something that you noticed. I, I kind of really, this is the first time it really hit home with how green Ireland is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was lucky to go to uh, the, the Cliffs of Mohair there yeah. and and get to see some of the countryside. It wasn't just in Dublin. So, yeah, I definitely got to experience the whole uh, Irish experience, I think. Uh, you know, a few drinks and, and the countryside and, and seeing, you know, sheep and all that. So I think I got most of 
of what you guys are known for. And uh, it's interesting too. I, I have never yet been to the Cliffs of Moher. So sometimes when you're a tourist, you do all those things. It's something that uh, I think I have to do. It has to be on my bucket list for the next year. So you've kind of you've uh, you make sure that I do that, George. Uh, keep keep me on my toes. Uh, obviously, in the the last couple of weeks, uh, we had in a show in two weeks, and the last couple of weeks, was, particularly the last week, there has been quite a, a little bit of news regarding uh, players and contracts. And uh, you know, when this is kind of a dead time of the year where there's not a lot going on, uh, teams aren't uh, practicing at the moment. But uh, Jeremy Macklin has signed a two-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens after it was quite a surprise he was released uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. His, the two contracts with the wide receivers signed this week have been, you know, the news has come out. They're not that expensive. A uh, two-year contract worth just $11 million for him. For some perspective, uh, Marcus Wheaton, who signed with the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers in free agency, is also getting the, the same amount. He's getting $11 million over two years, too. And I know which of those receivers I would rather be paying that money to. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in there. We're going to be talking about him as well as Eric Decker, who I'm going to go through his contract in a moment, and we're going to be talking with them in just a few minutes' time. Uh, I think uh, he's pretty much a steal at this point. And, uh, you know, last year the Baltimore Ravens led the league in pass attempts, so it's going to be interesting to see there as we talk in a moment about how all the, the targets are going to shake out. The other one I did mention was Eric Decker, and uh, he signed a one-year contract with the Tennessee Titans quite a, a low offer for him it's uh, just guarantees guarantees of 3.85 million so it's a, a very i you know I, I think he's worth a lot more than that and we'll see what the guys think in just a minute uh, the other pieces of news that are coming out is that Derek Carr looks like he's going to be finalizing a long-term extension with the Oakland Raiders making him the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League around uh, the 25 million dollar a year mark and I know uh, we're looking as well at Kirk Cousins possibly signing the contract in the next couple of weeks. So quarterbacks are getting that that big-time money, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, who ends up with the biggest amount of guaranteed dollars. But those young quarterbacks, it's all... Kirk Cousins is the one that we're not sure how it's going to end up, but it looks now more and more likely that he's going to end up in Washington. And the last bit of contract news is uh, Jarvis Landry's agent has said that he'll not be uh, negotiating the contract once week one starts, so he wants to get a deal done in this off season and you know he's playing in the slot there in Miami and I'm going to get George your thoughts on this with Landry playing in the slot do you think he's it's hard sometimes the slot receivers don't get huge money and we've seen what you know Macklin and Decker have uh, taken in in the last week obviously Landry's going to be looking for a bit more than that but how do you see him going he's not one of those you know kind of stretch the field players but he has a key part off that Dolphins offense but maybe they think that he's also kind of a, a replaceable piece getting those short targets over the middle yeah, he's an interesting guy because, like you said, there's not very many of those slot guys who get big money. I would say maybe Randall Cobb might be one of the exceptions, yeah. but obviously Green Bay is a very different offense. There's not too many teams who feature the slot that much. I mean, obviously the Dolphins do because of Landry. But I would think the market would be there for him if if he does end up having to test the market. I think enough teams are savvy enough using the, the, the slot position now relative to what we've seen in the past. I mean, you think about Emmanuel Sanders, Brandon Cooks. Uh, we're seeing all these guys who, who are smaller, who are guys who can move around in the slot and move outside. And and I think Landry should get a good deal. I mean, I think in theory, like, he's worth that money. It's just, yeah, to your point, not every team necessarily is going to be in the market for it. And so let's say, you know, two-thirds of the teams already shut him out because they're not looking for a slot guy, whether they have one or – uh, they're not going to utilize him enough to pay him what he's looking for. I mean, that limits his options. But but I do think he deserves the money. I mean, somewhere in that eight to ten million range a year, you can't really fault him for looking for that kind of money. Yeah, I think I definitely think he, he deserves it. It's just that kind of market, you know, how we see as similar with the running backs. How 
they don't tend to get them top end dollars anymore and i think sometimes we see that with the slot receiver position but maybe that is changing with you know smaller receivers and if you look at say a guy like Tavon austin and the contract he has i definitely think that <laughs> when you're looking then you think uh, jarvis landry definitely deserves to get that money we'll see what happens as we approach this season uh, i mentioned there obviously jeremy macklin we're going to start with him it was for me anyway a huge surprise uh, being released by the kansas city chiefs and uh, you know first of all we're going to go with him and the ravens it's a two-year contract but how do you uh, make that look for his uh, fantasy outlook this season, George? Obviously, uh, Dennis Petta is uh, down for the season and probably uh, you know, finished for good as well. But you have guys there like Danny Woodhead and uh, you know, Brashad Perryman still there, Mike Wallace. I think it probably affects Mike Wallace more than any of them. But uh, how do you see his uh, outlook in 2017? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, everyone brings up you know, the, the team has lost about 350 some odd targets <laughs> or, or so yeah. <laughs> right it's it's pretty crazy and part of it to your point from earlier is they throw so much i mean you were bound to lose uh some targets when you throw nearly 600 or 700 times yeah. uh so with macklin i get the fit i don't think it's a bad fit you know he did play almost half of his snaps or half of his routes i should say out of the the slot last year which was a career high for him you know everyone's pointed to that 47 percent he typically is more in that that 15 to 30 percent range I think he's going to probably push that 50% again. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know they use more three wide receiver situations with Pitta out, uh, having Perryman and Wallace on the outside to stretch the field. Macklin had success in, in Philadelphia stretching the field as well. I don't necessarily know if the speed is, is, is quite there where it was a couple years ago. I mean, he's had a significant number of injuries. I think the guys who lose out the most to me, I think uh, one is is the other tight ends, Ben Watson, Max Williams. I'm not really going to count Darren Waller in there <laughs> since uh, he really hasn't shown much yet. But I have to think they're not necessarily going to use the, the tight end quite as frequently as maybe they have the last couple of years, knowing they have three talented receivers. And then the other guy who, who a lot of dynasty players were kind of looking to see what he could do was Michael Campanero, who looked like the young slot receiver who was going to come in with Kamar Aiken and Steve Smith leaving, who are guys who man the slot a fair amount in, in Baltimore. So, yeah, I, I like Macklin there because they will still have the volume. They have Kenneth Dixon, who's who's suspended for the first four games. They don't have much of a run game. So I think he'll get his run and he'll get his share. Uh, and, and they're willing to throw the ball down the field a lot more than Kansas City ever did. So I'm not too worried about him. And honestly, I'm not too worried about Wallace or Perryman either. I think there's enough for the three of them to go around. I think that might have been the most uh, you know, under-exaggeration of all time that the uh, Baltimore Ravens like to throw down the field with Joe Flacco more than the Chiefs <laughs> with Alex Smith, but it is a very valid point. Uh, Doug, anything that you want to add in there? Any players you think will be affected more or less? Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at it, you know, obviously the biggest thing is, you know, they're replacing a lot of targets. Steve Smith retired, Kamar Aiken left, and Dennis Pitta, you know, suffered another hip injury. Yeah. And they, you know, we, we've already, you know, beaten this to death. Um you know, they, they're one of the most pass-friendly offenses in the league. Um, so, you know, I, I think George brings up a good point with I don't necessarily see Perryman and um, Wallace getting hurt too much in regards to, you know, their target share just because I think, you know, like you said, um, you know, Macklin could probably see over half his time in the slot while, you know, we see primarily, um, you know, Perryman and Wallace on the outside. Um, I don't expect their their formula, their offensive formula, to change much, uh, just because they didn't really add any depth besides Danny Woodhead, who's more receiving back. Um, you know, at the running back position, they didn't make any additions at tight end. Granted, they already have thirteen tight ends um, that will all <laughs> contend for snaps, I guess. Um, 
So, yeah, no, no nothing really much. I, I, I agree a lot with it. I think this is the best-case scenario for fantasy owners, especially for those who, you know, bought him low after that, that bad season he had, which he revealed today was because of a torn groin he suffered in the second half of the season. So, uh, no, I, I think this is the best spot for him, and, and uh, I think his fantasy value might even increase more than than what it was if he played in Kansas City this year. Yeah, I agree, and I think it definitely will it will increase in the target options will be there. I think that obviously, as George meant as well, with the opportunity to get deep targets, uh, will definitely help Macklin. I think he's somebody who's always been kind of underrated, and he went to the Chiefs uh, the first year he was there, had a very good season after being with the Eagles. But obviously, we know that uh, that down year last year didn't help. But you know, that's the thing with uh, people playing fantasy football. Sometimes we're too quick to uh, remember last year, not remember the years of consistency prior to that. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, on the other hand, how do you think uh, George? Had a affects them obviously we've talked a lot this offseason about Tyreek Hill and you know we know the explosive plays he had last year and it's unlikely that he keeps up the the rate that he had last year but you know it got to the stage where everyone was saying oh well Macklin's coming back it's going to be he's going to have a drop in production but now it just looks like the Chiefs are kind of going almost all in on uh, uh, Tyreek Hill and then you've guys as well obviously Kelsey had a monster uh, year and particularly in the games that uh, Macklin missed and then you've guys as well like Connolly coming into his third year Chris Connolly with possibly having a jump there he's obviously very very athletic and uh, dominated you know from that perspective but has yet to put it all together on the field. How do you see the the Chiefs shaking out? And I know the limitations with Alex Smith, but with those three guys, uh, there should be targets and opportunities there for sure. Yeah, I mean, they were an interesting team because we we did know that Macklin missed some time last year, so it's not necessarily that that we're unsure completely of what the team might do with Macklin gone. You know, we saw Tyreek Hill obviously do well. He was the only wide receiver who averaged over a yard per route run when Macklin was hurt. So, I mean, he was the only one pretty consistently producing. But what I thought was interesting was Kelsey actually had a higher percentage of routes in the slot than Tyreek Hill did during that time. Uh, so so we might see the case where it's kind of sharing slot duties a little bit. Kelsey and, and Hill might be the two guys who kind of fill that role on occasion. And then obviously Albert Wilson, who's coming back, he had his own injury issues last year. We'll probably handle the slot as well and then with Conley I mean one thing I found was that Conley actually ran more routes than any other receiver when Macklin was hurt so I mean they were very keen on using him he just wasn't necessarily targeted as much as you would have wanted so I'm hoping that trend reverses where he'll continue to run the routes but he'll actually get opportunities to, to see targets go his way and maybe some of that had to do with uh, his ability to separate uh, Alex Smith's ability to, to put the ball down the field because Conley obviously is a big, long, you know, high leaping, you know, explosive receiver, and that's not necessarily what's been successful with Alex Smith. So, so there will be some some growing pains on Conley, but but I think it's it's probably going to be a shared duty between those three with Albert Wilson probably mixing in as a slot guy when they do go to three receivers, maybe with a tight end Kelsey as well. So, those are kind of my thoughts. No, I, I pretty much agree with everything you've said there. But, the, you know, obviously I was glad to see Macklin find a good landing spot for him at the Ravens. But the player that I was uh, most excited to see where he landed, and uh, although it affected some of my shares of Rashid Matthews, who I was uh, touting early on in the offseason, I think there's still room there for him. But uh, Eric Decker, somebody I'm very high on, obviously coming off those two surgeries and uh, cleared to play a lot earlier than uh, most people expected. A lot of people expected him to be kind of touch and go for week one. But when he was what the Jets was able to take to the practice field, uh, 
has been cleared to uh, to get back into full contact. So Eric Decker signed with the Tennessee Titans, and obviously he's landing there with Marcus Mariota. We know that Decker is somebody who has uh, had huge success in the red zone, huge touchdown production when healthy, and then we know that Marcus Mariota has had huge uh, production in the red zone, the best in the NFL since he came into the league, and uh, it just seems to be really, really cool and calm in there. So I think uh, Decker going to the Titans, obviously Corey Davis was drafted there. It's going to be somebody who can kind of mentor him. You have Delaney Walker as well. So I think, uh, you know, going from maybe this time last year to this time now, I think uh, we may see the Titans as the most improved uh, offensive kind of skill position team in the NFL. Is that is that going to step too far? Or is that something, you know, you also have Derrick Henry there behind DeMarco Murray. Uh, is that something you think, or is that me taking a step too far there with uh, Eric Decker's rival? Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think they've had a great offseason. I mean, they've added you know, a, a, a lot of great weapons for Mariota between Corey Davis and, and then Taiwan Taylor as well in the draft. And yeah. then obviously now Eric Decker, uh, you know, they only lo- lost Kendall Wright in that wide receiver core, which wasn't really a huge loss for them. Uh, I mean, he did operate out of the slot a fair amount, but Eric Decker's a guy who operates two thirds of his routes out of the yeah, slot. I so I mean, all in the slot. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think he's just going to be a guy who's going to move into the slot when they, they use three receivers, probably with Matthews and Davis on the outside. And then when they're at two receivers, they'll probably use Decker and Davis on the outside because Decker has the ability to play both roles in the NFL. So I don't think that'll be much of an issue. I did love their offseason. I think they've built a great offensive line. I love the two-headed running back attack. Uh, They can actually cut DeMarco Murray after the season. They have an opportunity to kind of get out of that contract with no dead cap money. Uh, so, So we may see him only there for one more year, which... Which maybe means that they they kind of use and abuse him kind of the way the Cowboys did right before uh, he hit free agency that year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Mariota's the big winner out of this, right? He he gets a ton of weapons. He's already done so well in the red zone. It's only going to improve. I don't think there's much of an impact to the running game. I think there's enough to go around with with Decker and Davis and and Delaney Walker. And I think there's going to, like you said, Rashard Matthews probably one of the bigger losers. He may still get yeah. a fair number of uh, of snaps, but he's not going to necessarily be uh, a primary option on very many plays, which which is going to hurt him, especially when you think about the red zone and some other areas of the field. Yeah, he's going to take a big hit uh, in regards to uh, his targets because Decker's going to come in and he's going to get a very, very healthy share. So I think it's likely to come out of the, him as well as uh, Corey Davis's, but I think Davis is going to get his. Maybe we'll see how quick Davis uh, adapts to life in the NFL, but uh, you know, you mentioned Marcus Mariota, and all the listeners will know that I, I love Marcus Mariota. I, I, and MFLs have been drafting him pretty much in all my leagues. I own him in most of my dynasty leagues. So having Eric Decker, who I also am a big fan of, uh, helps uh, sync that up pretty nicely. Doug, anything to add about the Titans uh, there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking about you know this this team, and like you mentioned, they've added a lot of the weapons this off season. Um, when they added Corey Davis, they added um, you know Eric Decker, Taewon Taylor. And even Jonu Smith, who I think is going to be that that number two receiving tight end for them when they move into that 12 set, um, you know, and, and they already had a top, you call it a top eight, top five offensive line uh, after how well they did last year. Plus, have a I would say arguably one of the better you know, upside running back tandems in the league. Yeah, I would not be surprised if we see the Titans make it top 10 in the offense in, you know, NFL and offense, you know, and I think they have one of the, the highest upside offenses, you know, it depends on how Corey Davis adapts from going to lower levels of the NCAA division one to the NFL. And then also just Rashard Matthews, Taewon Taylor, again, he's a rookie, uh, Delaney Walker. And then, you know, the other guys as well. And then plus DeMarco Murray was one of the top 
backwards from last year. The receiving game, or not only in the, the rushing game, but in the receiving game as well. And then Derek Henry may see more work in, in, in year two. And, and obviously the injury that Mariota is something to, to monitor. You know, he is a quarterback that often uh, you know uses his legs. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think upside-wise, this offense could be one of the best in the league. And it's so young, too, besides maybe uh, you know DeMarco Murray and Delaney Walker. It's such a young offense. And, I, you know, and even Eric Decker, too. You know, we, you take them out. So it, it's got a good core, and I think that in fantasy it's going to be tough just because there's going to be so many mouths to feed. Um, and I think that it'll be tough to sort of distinguish. I think, they're, you know, the Titans' skill players are going to be best suited for a best ball league instead of a redraft league. But in, in Dynasty, this only helps, you know, guys like, um, you know, Marcus Mariota, for example. So I love the moves that they've made. Um, they've also made some moves on defense, too. So I think they could be a really improved team. And right now, they're my favorite after how well they did last year uh, and how close they made it to the playoffs to be, you know, potentially a playoff team and win the AFC South this year or this yeah. upcoming season. Yeah, I would I would put them uh, probably at the top of my power rankings at the moment, just uh, above the Houston Texans. We'll see if the Colts can bounce back for that there South Division. Uh, last bit of news, and I'm going to get Doug's take on this one first. It's uh, Julian Edelman. Since we last talked, uh, signed an extension. Uh, a two-year extension worth $11 million. $11 million seems to be the going rate on two-year extensions <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he is, uh, uh, includes $9 million in total guarantees. He's somebody who, in particular, um, was kind of... People were talking about you know maybe a year left in, uh, in Dynasty. People were saying that he was going to be cut in the Cook signing. Obviously meant that it was bad news for Edelman's long-term value. Uh, obviously, Doug, I'm going to let you go first, being the Patriots guy. Were you surprised that Edelman was uh, tagged to this extension? And I think he probably could have got more money if he had gone elsewhere. But you know he knows uh, what it means to play for the Patriots after uh, picking up a second Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I was one of those people, and I'm not saying, hey, I called it, but you know, there were a lot of people saying, you know, this is last year, the Cook signing and, and Mitchell and and uh, Chris Hogan being there. You know, this is probably his last year considering he's, I think he's 30 years old or 31. Um, and I, I didn't think so. I, I just think a lot of people, if they don't know how the Patriots operate, now granted, nobody knows 100%, but if they, it's not even so much the stat sheet. Julian Elman is a key cog in this offense, whether or not he has the ball in his hands or not. Not only if he's, you know, uh, you know, running routes or, or, you know, running with the ball. You know, he operates a lot in the slot. He's really that um, that Z receiver for them, you know, and I think he's going to continue to be that. I don't see production dropping off a lot. You know, he dealt with that foot injury last year quite a bit. He was on the, the injury report uh, quite a bit, um, and he really picked up in the second half. But he brings so much, even in, in just game planning. He's also, you know, a, a great run-blocking wide receiver. I don't know if George can attest to that based off of whatever pro football focus has for his grades on run-blocking. Um, but he's just such an important player, and I'm not surprised. This is also just the Patriots striking gold again with how underpaid, I guess you could say, for what he does, and they have the cap space to do it. Um, in terms of fantasy, I don't see much drop-off, honestly. I don't. Um, I think it'll be a little more, because he had such a slow first half, and then he picked up in the second half. I think it'll be a little more consistent. Maybe not, you know, maybe his stats, you know, aren't as big, but I still think he's a very valuable guy to have in fantasy, especially in PPR leagues. Not surprised. Now we see him finish his career probably in New England, and I think this is a great move not only for Welker fantasy-wise, just because I don't know how other teams would utilize him, but also for, for a guy like Tom Brady, who has arguably, I think, the most important guy in the offense besides Rob Gronkowski, um, at least playmaker-wise, on the field. 
Yeah, I, I seen a lot of people panicking early this off season with Edelman, and he's a player that I didn't really own in any of my dynasty uh, fantasy football teams. But you know, people were just panicking so much that I wanted to get rid of him, and I picked him up in a couple of deals. There, I can't actually remember off the top of my head what they were, but I remember at the time thinking they were very, very cheap, even if he did leave the Patriots. So. Uh, I must look up they are probably looking quite good now but is he somebody you think has had a, a significant boost uh, in his dynasty value and uh, his I guess his fantasy value is going to be the same anyway this year but his dynasty value going forward uh, George? Yeah I mean it has to help him because there wasn't going to be very many options that, that would have been better than what he has I mean no one's looking at him from a five year window no. time frame Can so so to have night, a two year yeah. <laughs> exactly so I mean the type of people who are going to get him are the same people who are going to value Larry Fitzgerald and, yeah, and other exactly. guys who are kind of getting up there in age. So uh, I, I agree with Doug. You know, people don't really understand the Patriots. And honestly, I think there's something to be said for a lot of these uh, upper echelon uh, passing offenses that are really putting a priority on wide receiver depth. You look at the Green Bay Packers, you look at the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, there's teams that are willing to spend multiple picks, multiple uh, signings, all these different things to bolster their wide receiver group to make sure that it's thick and it's and it's there because that's really what the offense revolves around is that quarterback and those receivers not to say that they they don't look at the offensive line or anything but teams have become less afraid to put multiple uh, assets into that wide receiver group to make sure that it's ready in case of an injury and I think that's what the, the Patriots have done is they've built up this this group of receivers where you just can't tell who's going to get the ball in a given play, which is great for a guy like Tom Brady. And then it, it also helps the receivers to the extent that, that no one's necessarily going to be uh, such a focus, which maybe is better when you don't necessarily have a uh, Demarius Thomas or a, uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans sitting on your roster. There's not very many of those. So they found the, the kind of the other way to do it. And I think they're doing it quite successfully. So, so it makes a lot of sense. And, with Jordan, or I'm sorry, with Brandon Cooks, I think he's still going to be a good receiver there. It's just a question of, uh, you know, how do they design him within that offense? And I think that that remains to be seen a little bit, just because we haven't seen any snaps outside of training camp. Yeah, and you mentioned there are teams building deep uh, wide receiver cores, and then you have teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets who just decide to cut the best receiver on both their, their rosters. Uh, <laughs> That's over, right. Yeah. So uh, all teams build uh, in different ways, but uh, obviously the Jets in total rebuild mode, uh, probably hoping for that number one overall pick last year, and uh, obviously the the Kansas City Chiefs just with a different idea in mind. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is an article you had on Pro Football Focus. Uh, just came out today, George, and uh, it's talking about handcuffing uh, running backs in particular in dynasty leagues. Uh, you know, obviously you talk about different things like the de- deeper rosters, uh, the ability then with those deeper rosters to pick up a backup running back. But the one thing I'm going to I'm going to let you talk about the article, but I'm I don't tend to handcuff uh, running backs in dynasty, and it's mainly down to the fact that I don't tend to own any of the stud running backs. If I had you know a Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, any of those guys that are up around the top, even Ezekiel Elliott, I don't tend to get them because I, I tend to put all my kind of emphasis onto the wide receiver position, the tight end position, and uh, it doesn't tend to be at the running back. So. The guys I have aren't really worth. The, I have the handcuffs kind of to the guys that you need to to handcuff them to. Uh, so in that situation, it's probably not worth handcuffing. And then uh, I'll let you talk through the the rest of the article. Yeah, no, you you know you, you touch on a good point regarding kind of its bigger rosters. You know, the, and and conversely, that means there's smaller waiver pools. So when those injuries do hit, it's a lot harder. So in some cases, especially 
And and what I believe is that, you know, if you're going to handcuff a running back, you want to handcuff it with another talented running back because you get to a point in the draft where you're betting less on opportunity because they're all backups and you're betting more on talent. So, you know, I, I looked at a pro football focus dynasty mock draft that they did, and there were seven instances where someone drafted multiple running backs off the same team. And in, in one instance, somebody grabbed CJ Procise and Thomas Rawls, which, you know, if you talk about backups, Rawls would probably – you know, you wouldn't maybe label him a backup to ProSize because there's probably going to be a splitting of duty there. But you, you add in Eddie Lacy, and if Eddie Lacy gets hurt, suddenly Thomas Rawls becomes much more interesting. Suddenly, CJ ProSize becomes even more interesting. So it, there's something to be said for, uh, in, in Dynasty Leagues, looking at certain opportunities and saying maybe this is a handcuff situation. And obviously things like Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, these top guys, you know, that's a much different handcuff situation. You're handcuffing them regardless of if their backup's talented. Fortunately for at least uh, Elliott and, and Le'Veon Bell, they do have talented backups. I believe James Conner's a very talented running back. Uh, I, I, you know, Darren McFadden obviously showed that he can do quite well uh, there as well as Alfred Morris. They both have had success in the past. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, really it comes down to uh, at a certain point, you know, you're going to get to where it's only backup running backs. I tend to wait on running backs as well. And you have to kind of find that balance between uh, handcuffing a guy who, who you see in a talented situation and then also who are those guys that, that are talented backups who also be a handcuff as well. I think of uh, DeMarco Murray and, and Derrick Henry, right, is the, is the big example of, you know, Henry's actually getting picked before DeMarco Murray in Dynasty drafts, and we know that Murray's going to leave. So it's an investment in both talent and uh, handcuffing the situation where we know that it's going to be a heavy run uh, high high volume opportunity. So, uh, you know, it, it's just a different view than maybe what we've seen with redraft leagues. I know JJ Zacharyson did a great article uh, looking at handcuffs and why that's really not a great strategy in, in redraft leagues. And part of that was predicated on the fact that the waiver wire is just so open and there's so much opportunity to grab running backs throughout the year. And that's just not the case in Dynasty. Yeah, so there's lots of Dynasty leagues, you know, 30-man rosters and taxi squads and all included. And there's absolutely zero on the waiver wire uh, pretty much all season long and there'll be a couple of guys throughout the year that are worth uh, when you do pick them up that'll have an impact most of them are just cast back into that uh, waiver pool again you mentioned there the Seahawks you know the Rawls and process and you know depending on how Lacey does this year if he picks up an injury you could see the situation there very similar to what we've seen in Atlanta last year with Tevin Coleman Devontae Freeman uh, you know sometimes with the running backs by committee the way it is in the NFL at the moment there is opportunities to start multiple running backs in the same team even last year towards kind of the mid-10 point of the season with the Saints those weeks that I picked up uh, Tim Hightower as a as a handcuff to uh, Mark Ingram and I ended up starting both of them there was one week against San Francisco that the two of them pretty much tore it up uh, I think they had four or five touchdowns combined so certain weeks you can you can get away with that other times it's going to really uh, not work and bite you on the ass but uh, another thing there that you mentioned as well with with the deeper rosters something that I tend to do rather than I will go for handcuffs if I think it, if, if I think it's necessary if I think the wide or the running back's good enough but uh, you know, sometimes you can stash those uh, second running backs uh, on your on your uh, bottom of your roster just to see if they can hit during the season. But there's lots of ways, and I, I really enjoyed reading the article, and it's up on ProFootballFocus.com, and as well, uh, I'll be retweeting it out uh, after the show. It came out today on Wednesday, and uh, I'm sure George is up there on his timeline as well. Uh, anything else, George, while you're on that you want to give a, a mention to? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been running a, a weekly series with Pro Football Focus looking at the college landscape, so kind of highlighting 
a, a Devi option, and then those who play college fantasy football, a fantasy option uh, from every single team in, in uh, the, the Power Five. So uh, I believe the first three have been posted. I submitted my fourth and uh, have one more conference and then the non-Power. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, everyone in Dynasty loves to look ahead, and, and I think it's a great opportunity to kind of look through those articles and see who are those players to to keep an eye on as you you go through the dynasty season. And, you know, this is that time where everyone starts trading for 2018 picks. And, yeah. you know, it's always good to know who's out there and, and who might be the guys that you might target with those if you do decide to use them and not uh, trade them off again for 2019 picks. Yeah, and that's 100%. When you're in dynasty leagues, you know, and I've entered a few Debbie leagues this year, and you start to look ahead way, way too early probably, but uh, it's all part of the, the process, all part of the fun. And, that their uh, college information is going to be very, very valuable throughout the season and at, even in this time, this early in the off-season to, to get a kind of jump ahead of your league mates and get things going ahead of the 2018 season. Uh, obviously, George is on Twitter. It's at Rotohack. That is R-O-T-O-H-A-C-K. Uh, writing all the good stuff for Pro Football Focus Fantasy and definitely make sure you're following him on there. George, has always been a, been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys, and uh, glad I had the opportunity to jump on and uh, talk some football. So that was George. I mentioned his Twitter handle there, at Rotohack. Definitely go and give him a follow. Great guy, and uh, thanks once again to him for jumping on at such short notice. Uh, Doug, we had lots of interesting topics to talk about, and we were talking there you know, about handcuffing running backs, but... I know there's a running back situation, a couple of running back situations you were looking to talk about this week, but we're going to narrow it down and give you the opportunity to talk about one. So which one of the following are we talking about today? There is the expectations for Marshawn Lynch with the Oakland Raiders, and uh, the other one is Christian McCafferty, obviously with the Carolina Panthers, his average draft position at the moment, which I don't know, maybe you think is too low or too high. And uh, which one of those are we hitting on on this week's podcast? You know what grinds my gears? (laughs) Peter Griffin is what is when rookie running backs get all this hype and all that crap and people overdraft them and I, you know who I'm talking about I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey it's not Marshall Lynch I, anyway. <laughs> I don't think he's a rookie anymore I love Christian McCaffrey I think he's a very talented player I think his skill set is going to do well in the NFL my problem is a couple things one, yes, his ADP is way too high. I pulled up Fantasy Pros, um, their ADP data, and he's being drafted in the top of the third round right now in standard draft. So standard, where yeah, you read, know, they don't we're talking redraft points. too. Yes, redraft. I'm sorry, redraft. Um, and you know, it, it, it confused me because he's actually being picked as the number 15 on average, number 15 running back. So he's a running, a top end running back too, based on that. And it's ridiculous. And there's a couple reasons behind that. Um, I'm not the biggest Jonathan Stewart fan. I'm not, at least in regards to fantasy. I think he's a terrific player. Uh, boo, rah, rah, boo. But, you know, I, I think the thing is, is that people forget that Jonathan Stewart's still there. And I've doubted him at times. I don't know if he was going to make the roster, but they signed an extension during the offseason. He's still a running back that gets the work done. He plays injured and everything. And people are assuming that Christian McCaffrey's going to come in and steal all the snaps or steal all the, you know, the touchdown, um, you know, the touchdown, rushing touchdowns or red zone yeah. snaps or anything like that. When I don't think that's necessarily the case, at least in 2017. That's why we're talking about redraft. Dynasty's yeah. a whole different story. I think he's a, 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 a very good dynasty running back to have. But you, you look at, you know, a couple of things. I, I was reading this, uh, I think it was a couple of days ago, where Carolina. Where, where Christian McCaffrey is playing, 
is one of the one team that throws the I guess looking at it I guess is one of the teams that's on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to throwing like screen passes or passes to running backs out of the backfield when you look at you know who they've had the past couple of years you do you, you understand why um and then obviously you look at Cam Newton who's a rushing you know a guy who rushes himself so you know they, they haven't necessarily needed a guy who you know can catch the ball behind the backfield because Stewart isn't really that guy and he's been that main guy for the past couple of years yep. now you bring Christian McCaffrey there's reason to believe that, he, that he's going to bump that number up for them but the problem is is that to be able to perform where he's being drafted right now as a top 15 running back, you understand he would need to put up Danny Woodhead numbers yeah. at the very least. And that's why I'm talking about receiving running backs. Um, and there's just no standard, way. Especially in standard. Yeah, in standard. That's what confuses me. In PPR, I can get it. Maybe a low-end running back too because he's a terrific receiving talent. I understand that. But in standard leagues, even in PPR, he's still getting overdrafted. But I can understand a little bit more. In standard, where he's being picked as a top 15 running back, where a guy like Joe Mixon, who I hate as a person, but I think he's extremely talented and landed in a great spot, even in his rookie season, is getting drafted behind him right now. I think he's the running back 17 on average, which is two, two uh, after Christian McCaffrey. So I, I do, I, I really wonder what people are thinking about. You know, they, they see that Carolina does run the ball a lot, but I don't see it where McCaffrey's going to get more than maybe 100 carries, maybe 120 carries this year, unless Jonathan Seward suffers injury, which could very well happen, but you're banking on that. You're, you're really banking on, you know, something that you can't control, which which is kind of hard to do. You know, and those expectations are really high for McCaffrey. To be able to perform and return on value, to even return on investment, not only to give value, but to return on investment, you would need to put up astronomical numbers for a guy in his situation. I don't see it happening in 2017. 2018, I think it's a realistic possibility. Carolina will hopefully have a better offensive line there as they're continuing to make um, additions to there. You know, Cam Newton will hopefully be a little bit healthier after he had a down year last year. And also Jonathan Stewart probably won't be there yeah. because he's one of the older running backs in the league, and I think he's only under contract for, I, I think, one more year after this. But it's very well possible that he's not with the team after 2017. So I think he's more of a 2018 target. But even at that ADP, unless like the running back climate changes dramatic, uh, drastically, I don't see it happening. So even this year, I would stay away from Christian McCaffrey. Even Joe Mixon might even be getting drafted too high at running back 17. But even McCaffrey, who I think is going to have a worse year than Joe Mixon in redraft, it's ridiculous to think that he's being taken the top Top of the third round, he's being taken as a top running, a, a, a high end running back too. So that's what grinds my gears. And I have to pretty much uh, agree. Not often I agree with everything you say, Doug, but pretty much agree with most of it. You know, you mentioned uh, you're not a Jonathan Stewart fan, uh, particularly in fantasy. I, I think in terms of as an NFL running back, I think Jonathan Stewart's extremely underrated. But my problem with him, and I own yes. him, I own him in a lot of leagues. My problem with him in fantasy has always been between the twenties. He is uh, exceptional at scoring points, but you don't get the big points unless you get into the end zone. A lot of times we see those uh, one, two, three, four-yard touchdowns rushing, going in by Cam Newton over the top of the pile, rather than uh, Jonathan Stewart or running back. And then uh, Jonathan Stewart didn't catch a huge amount of balls out of the backfield. The one thing I could see is, obviously, Mike Tolbert was there last year, and he vultured a lot of touchdowns through the air and those short screen passes, and we could see those. Uh, possibly going to McCafferty but again you mentioned you really haven't hit that ceiling you probably need him to get six or seven touchdowns uh, to really maximize that value and then he needs 
to stay healthy the whole year. I, I just think there's too many question marks around it. Cam Newton has never been a person for those short dump-off passes, but we'll see. Maybe the, the one thing I could see is that they try and protect Cam Newton a little bit more. Maybe he doesn't run as much because of the injuries last year. He got a, quite a few uh, nasty hits to the head early in the season and continued throughout the season. Uh, he was pretty much shook up the whole year after that, and then he's had his uh, injuries this offseason as he recovers now. So I think that's a, a possibility, but I do think uh, the top of the third round is much too high for him. And I mentioned when George was on, I tend to, to not go for those stud running backs in the early rounds, not because... Uh, I think that they're not good players. It's down to the fact that I think the wide receivers are likely to, to stay healthier more. I see a lot a lot of the time. Last year been pretty much an exception that the running backs last the duration of the season like they did uh, in 2016. So I tend to, to try and stock up on the kind of lower-end running backs, you know, guys like Bilal Powell, maybe even a Tevin Coleman, guys that are maybe most people look at as handcuffs, but I think as the season goes on, they have a possibility to uh, get those starter snaps, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, you mentioned Mixon as well. I think there's an opportunity for him. But young running backs, there is there is a lot of the time where the, the young running backs do come into the NFL headed off by storm. We know we talk about the troubles that tight ends have when they come into the league. Running backs, on the other hand, sometimes come in and just knock it out of the park straight away. But uh, I think sure. I think uh, looking at that, and particularly the one thing that really stood out to me was when you said standard. If it's PPR, maybe I see a point there. It gets maybe 50 catches this season. Uh, but you know when you're looking then at uh, you know it being standard, uh, it's pretty much going to have to all be done on the ground and uh, getting into the end zone. Those air yards do count, but I just think it's a step too far. So I agree with you there, Doug. It'll be interesting to see if uh, any of the Christian McCafferty truthers and fans out there hit you up with some angry words. But Bring again, it! Again, you did mention you, Bring li- it! you, you, do, you did mention you like him as a, a player uh, from yes. an NFL caliber and as a dynasty prospect, but just going into year one, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I hope he does well. I think he's a very, very talented player, and uh, it's just uh, you know year one at that price. Uh, I think I'd be taking a different option at that point uh, in my draft. Uh, Doug, so we've had George on. We've talked through uh, what was kind of bugging you this week in terms of Christian McCafferty's ADP, but uh, I think it's been a fun show. I've enjoyed it anyway. Hopefully the listeners have enjoyed it, and uh, I'm going to tell them to follow you on Twitter at NFL. That is D Moore NFL with an E in it, M O O R E. Then I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And uh, if you haven't, uh, if you're listening to the podcast a long time and you haven't followed us, uh, please go and follow us and please make sure you subscribe. Uh, it is very much appreciated. We always like to interact with the listeners uh, via the old Twitter machine. It's always a lot of fun. Doug, obviously, uh, still going with the locker room guys. Uh, anything else uh, you want to give a, a shout out to before we wrap things up here? I've taken a long hiatus from writing. I'm hoping to get back into it shortly. Um, you know, I, you know, it, it's kind of hard cause it's a dead period right now with yeah. training camp, um, not starting for another month for most teams. Um, but yeah, locker room guys, we're actually, so we're recording right now at 6 PM Eastern, you know, you and I right now, yeah. um, Lee and myself are probably gonna actually be recording tonight. Um, our next episode, obviously a couple things have happened since last time with the Julian Edelman extension. And then for those who don't know, uh, the Patriots went and signed Davis Harris today, um, from the jets on a two year deal, which is definitely noteworthy. Um, and then obviously all the Patriots wreaking havoc around the world with Brady and China and, (laughs) um, Amendola and Edelman and and Mexico and then Kraft and Goodell being buddies again in Jerusalem. So, um, obviously a lot to talk about. I know. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, that's really the only plug I'll give. I, I'm looking to get back into writing soon. It's just been crazy with the move. It's just over two weeks now. And as I was explaining to you off air, you know, a lot of work. I usually don't get out right right at 5 o'clock, but this motivated me too. But uh, my, my, my real-life job, as you could say, 
has been uh, quite hectic lately. So real um, life sucks, the, man. Real life sucks, man. <laughs> um, but uh, that's why we talk about fantasy football. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's our, that's our escape from the real world. But uh, hoping to get back into writing soon. Definitely talk about some Patriot stuff and some NFL stuff. But until then, I still have uh, overtime Ireland, which I couldn't be happier to have. And uh, Doug mentioned he's getting back into writing. Obviously, I've put out a few tweets uh, over the last week or two about uh, people, if they're interested in getting a platform to do some writing. I'll be trying to ramp things up on Overtime Ireland this season again. I've been in contact. There's been a lot of interest. Uh, so if you're interested, hit me up on Twitter or else give me an email at OvertimeIreland at gmail.com if you're interested in uh, writing some fantasy football or writing some just NFL football in general on the website. That is OvertimeIreland.com. And... Uh, until the next show when we're back next week, uh, Curtis couldn't be on the show today. Hopefully things get uh, uh, fixed up by next week and we'll have him on next week. And uh, we're planning to have on Josh, uh, who's on Twitter for most of anyone playing MFL 10s will know Josh. It's uh, at FantasyADHD. The two of those guys will be the next two guests in what order? Let's see what happens. Stay tuned to the Twitter feed and, uh, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.